This is the Dennis Miller Option. Your source of opinions, stories, and laughs from comedian and inactivist Dennis Miller and his guy Friday, Christian Blatt. What's up, Hiroshi? Let's light this candle. Ladies and gentlemen, Dennis Miller. Hey, folks. Welcome to the Dennis Miller Show. And I've got to figure that out, Christian. Christian and I were talking about off the air about fortress cities. You know, because every day he comes in, he starts talking about... Uh, you know, I'll say, how are you? And he's like, do you know Lando Clarissian? Shut the fuck up. It's Calrissian. Come on. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Calrissian. Wasn't he the car dealership down in Long Beach? Oh, that was Calworthy. <laughs> what, if, what if Lando ended up a car dealership in Bellflower, California? I think um, he'd be lucky. Just doing... And what was his planet made out of, Christian ice or greens or something? I mean, every planet. Well, it was a cloud same. city, really. Cloud, yeah. yeah. Great. Um, but um, there was a city, and somebody has to send me an email or a text. This is the Dennis Miller option, by the way. Dana Carvey will be with us today. And I think Carvey's going to do a podcast, isn't he? Is that why we're talking to him? No, well, we're, I mean, talk to him we're talking to him about friend, Greco-Roman wrestling. That's what started it. Yeah, that's but, uh, it, I don't, folks. I don't know where he's at with uh, with that podcast. He was possibly going to do it with someone we used to work with. That. The only reason it wouldn't work is he'd kill too many listeners. <laughs> you know, what I mean, it'd be diminishing returns because if you listen to it, you'll die of laughter. And. Uh, I was I was hiking with Jimmy Connors this morning. He was telling me a story. It was so funny about going down to Argentina and Guillermo Vilas, who was sort of like a Ricky Ricardo meets Bjorn Borg, low-key guy, a lot of topsmen, invites Jimmy down to a series of matches in Argentina, and they end up way, way, way off the beaten track. When you're off the beaten track in Argentina... You know, it's not like off the beaten track here where you're in the city of industry or something. If you're off the beaten track, you're back in, like, the Garden of Eden or something. You're way out there. And they go into a big corrugated tin shack. It's freezing, and uh, there, there's no heat, so they light around the perimeter of the court. They have big trash cans. They throw wood into it and light it, and there's smoke filling the top of the thing. And Jimmy says, well, you step on the court, and the court's like a, a carpet, you know, something off a billiard table, and it's not secured at all. They've just rolled it out and laid it there. They're playing on an area rug. So, so I slide into the corner to hit my first return, and the whole court goes with me. <laughs> they have to get gaffer's tape and tape the court down. <laughs> He's the biggest thing in the world at that point, tennis-wise. <laughs> a carpet in a some Quonset hut out in the middle of nowhere where they're burning uh, <laughs> burning wood. He said the place was just like a carcinogenic mess. He couldn't breathe at the end. God, he makes me laugh. I mean, there's the glamorous moments of tennis, but when he tells me stories like that, I just absolutely uh, howl. And he will be our guest later this week on oh, our next podcast. i got to get him to recant that. that or re, recant means take back to re... Oh, how is the story? Shut the fuck up with your insecurity <laughs> over big words, you stone podcast hosted idiot. He'll have to regale us, I think is what I was looking for. How about you just say he'll tell us that story? Yeah. 
Because if I just say tell, I fall apart because I've built my whole thing on um, regalia, some sort of faux. (laughs) Yes, with regalia. (laughs) I regalia of of insignificant. My entire (laughs) bailiwick. Shut up. I talked to Leno this morning. Leno! Oh, my God, he makes me funny. He makes me funny. He makes me laugh. Um, sorry, we had a long hike this morning. I'm a little woozy. I had a chicken, uh, uh, sliced chicken sandwich for lunch with a lot of mayo on it. And I think there was something. Mm, I'll have to go back down there after and ask if they put something in the, the mayo down at my local deli, Cosby's. I'm roll <laughs> off my feet. <laughs> hey, Bill? Anything in this? <laughs> Um, what does that sound? I don't hear a sound. Sounds like there's a flamenco out, dancer outside or something. Um, I think my wife's turned on the, the whole property, uh, radio and it's loud outside my door. So if you hear anything in the background, it's just, uh, teenage wasteland. So Carvey will be here in a few minutes. We can talk about anything you want. I've got some plugs here. I'll be performing April 26th at Foxwoods in Mashantucket, Connecticut. And I think we've sold around eight seats here. So can we you know, double that or at least somebody bring their, uh, their alternative Dennis, personalities? There have been can... some returns. You're, you're actually at five seats. Uh, can I get a quorum? <laughs> <laughs> like jury duty in a banana republic. Um, April 26th at Foxwoods in Mash and Tucket, Connecticut. April 27th, the Chevalier Theater for Medford, Mass. Oh, Leno, I want to tell you. Miss uh, Caboo in Arlington, Texas. Thanks for dialing the city in eight weeks into the plugs, Christian. I mean, Texas is really just one big Caboo as far as I'm concerned. I know, but geez, we, we were pitching this as uh, Austin for the longest. We can rebuild Austin. <laughs> May 10th and then May 18th at the St. George Theater on Staten Island. So I called Leno. You called him about something. He got right back to me. So funny. And he's dead mad. And um, I was thinking yesterday, I went for a hike down at Butterfly Beach up here in Santa Barbara. Beautiful day. It's outside the Biltmore. Um, and I parked the car and it has just, it, it has like a foot curb. I stepped down off the curb. And literally, you know how your head's set up for a four-inch curb? And then it, it must be close to a foot. I'm not kidding. So you don't feel the ground, and then you start to panic a little. You come down awkwardly, and you turn your heel, and all of a sudden, um, trainer Tony Bartiroma out to the mound with some free spray. That's got a sting. That hit a puppy. So um, <laughs> it reminds me of Leno's joke. And I told him this morning, and he, I said, you got to do it for me. I missed the, I missed the rhythms of it. It was the joke about, I went shopping, and, uh, you know, I got a new dad, Diatsu. And I come back home, and I, I open the door to get out of the car, and there's a wall there. And he goes, I don't remember this wall. It was the curb! <laughs> <laughs> Talking oh. about how small the car was. So, naturally, I'm telling, making Joe, Jay do it. Just to hear him on my phone, I put it on speaker so I could hear it out loud. It was the curb! <laughs> it was an old factory sort of experience that harkened me back to our halcyon days of youth. There's that insecurity again. Um, and I think old factories just smell, isn't it? I used to think old factory was all the stuff. Uh, remember there was a triangle in the middle of your head. If you picked anything, you risk ending up in a wheelchair like Ironsides? 
I mean, I Do remember when you I remember kid? Ironsides really well, but the thing you're talking about, the triangle, I don't actually understand. When we were in eighth grade, and I know I'm 40 to 50 years older than you, but um, in the health books, they would put like a see-through black triangle over the middle of, you know, from your eyes up over your head, and they would call it the forbidden triangle and warn kids if you pick zits um, in that area. You risk brain damage and being in a wheelchair. Can you imagine how fucked up school was then? Yeah. Because, you know, you're like 12. Like, the only six hours a day you're not jerking off is when you're in school, and they're telling you that's going to make you go blind. And then, if you pick a zit, so God forbid you meet a woman and don't have to masturbate, like, uh, you know, it's just like a monkey banging on a pot with a spoon in a Red Rose <laughs> tea commercial. Yeah. You try to clean your forehead up and you risk being in a wheelchair. So now you're going up to women for the snowball dance and saying, hi, I'm blind and in a wheelchair. Want a date? Thank you. You're eighth grade. You know, great. by the time I went to school, they weren't telling us about this, but I, I'm reading about it now. And it is indeed called the danger triangle. Danger triangle. And the skin can become infected and then it'll permeate some blood vessels. They'll run behind your eye sockets yeah. and form a clot that can lead to infection or paralysis or death. Christ, if you ever die from that and you're sitting around the <laughs> campfire up in Lando Clarissianville or wherever that is up there. Bespin, Cloud you know, City. You're with sure, Audie sure. Murphy and yeah. some guys from the NOM. What about you? Well, um, let's try and make out with a girl. I picked a zit and I couldn't walk the next day forever. I died. Christ, do you imagine the scurrilous looks you get? Are you fucking kidding me? You're coming in here with that story. Why well, pick this in? I, shut up. Maybe uh, that's what Mick Jagger did and why he had to cancel the tour. By the way, I watched a great documentary last night. Uh, you can order it on Netflix called Rio, Rio, Rio. I couldn't get through all of it because there's a lot of, you know, authentic guys rolling cohibas in Cuba. You know, I, I get the sociological thing. I you could maybe watch that in a separate. It sort of reminded me of It's All True, the Orson Welles uh, love homage to South America. This was to Central America. But the stone stuff and the candid uh, nature of Jagger and Richards, they do a jam on uh, honky-tonk women in a locker room just sitting there, the two of them. Uh, all bedraggled and on the road. Shitty locker room. Looks like a high school wrestling workout room. And, uh, you know, Keith has his, uh, well, here, here's my my knowledge of music. Uh, he had his folk guitar. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Jagger's just sitting there all splayed out and he's, you know, singing. The guy is so rhythmic for a white cat. It's unbelievable. And you're singing... He, he he obviously never a great voice, but God, does he inhabit a song? And he writes this. Can you imagine writing "Sympathy for the Devil"? No. What a groove that is. You believe that? That's like Robert Johnson stuff. These five guys putting that to uh, together, man. Just or two of the five, in essence. Charlie said he's a paid hand. Charlie Watts is so cool. <laughs> he said, "Listen, he's I'm a drummer." Uh, I'm not even going to try to do the posh accent, but you can tell. He's a, um, you know, you don't sit in your living room with your guitar or a piano and entertain the folks. You don't set up drums there. He said, there is nothing to play unless I'm accompanying somebody. And I've always had that in my head, and that serves me well. He said, I'm in the stones. I'm sort of bemused by it. 
He said, but, you know, it's obviously those two out there. And, you know, those such cogent stuff and candid. Because it is true. Nobody wants a drum solo, you know, when the relatives are over. <laughs> really, what's the max on that? You might push that down the hill because you're proud of the kid. But really, 20 to 30 seconds, right? Yeah. And you're thinking, okay. It's not like you say to the kid, do this, and he plays uh, Debussy. If it's his birthday, I'll Debussy. give him a minute. How do you say Debussy? I, I say a Gary Busey, but I'm not sure how you say it. <laughs> La mer. La mer. That's a, there's a sweet music. One second. I, Debussy. What's his name? Claude. And uh, it's called La mer, which means the sea, if I'm not mistaken. And it's quite beautiful. Correct. It's one of those things. It's like the music at the beginning of... Um, if you watch the beginning of Journey to the Center of the Earth, the Charles Brackett version, my favorite film when I was a kid, um, I forget who does the music. I think it might even be the man who does uh, Psycho and North by Northwest. I think it's by him, but it's a complete descending. It's such brilliance. And Busey has some of that where you you literally think, how is he intoning to me? Uh, through music, he's writing on a sheet that it's underwater, but something about it's so beautiful. And uh, indeed, that music at the beginning, Journey, Center of the Earth, it, it literally is your guide path for the rest of the movie, because I don't think it ever has a a note that goes up. What was the cat's name, Christian? Can you look Bernard Herrmann. Yeah, I'm trying so to see, because that's definitely Psycho. I'm trying yeah, to see Yeah, it was him. So imagine the work he did, and he had fun with that film. And, uh, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. I, I've got... a. a Four foot by six foot poster, literally five feet in front of me. Since it's my favorite film, my son got a frame for me for Christmas one year. I'm sitting here wondering about the credits, and I'm looking at the poster. Well, that'll show you. If it's not on a screen, I don't want to know. What about the Mets, Christian? I know. Pretty nice. Yeah, even yesterday, right? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, mean that's they... a recurrent theme, the bullpen throwing, putting out fire with gasoline, but... Uh, yeah, they came back nicely against the Nationals. Could have swept them. And uh, the first two games, of that uh, that Nationals team, shaky bullpen, and uh, they're going to miss both Bryce Harper and Daniel Murphy. They're not going to be able to manufacture runs. Wow, interesting. So, and yeah, that's took you know, when Scherzer and the other count are on, right, that's like, you know, Bur uh, Spawn and Sane, Spawn, Burdett, Sane, and play for, pray for rain. I mean, they're loaded. In yeah, the Scherzer's almost always on. Strasburg, it's very hit or miss, you know. Ever since that uh, that year that they shut him down, it's always like, it's a crapshoot, you know. He's never really yeah. been great since then. He's done already. Don't they have an inning count on him? It was six and, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for the year. Yeah, but... Actually, I think he went six and a third, so he achieved bonus. So it's an extra 30 mil. <laughs> you talk about the boy in the glass booth. They have uh, coddled him into, you know, flu's dangerous for him. Yeah, it's that sort of deal. You got to germ proof the kid once in a while. Um, we'll be joined by Dana Carvey. I did some plugs. We're now taking uh, voicemail messages. We sure are. We can get some of those a little later, unless you want to dab me with one now, Christian. You ever see Andy Reid in the locker room when he dabs? I don't think I have. Well, he's trying to... Is there anything sadder than when uh, guys try to hip it up to be with the, the youth, you know? I need to see Andy Reid dab. 
Andy Reid was like, uh, you know, you've seen pictures of Andy Reid when he was young. He was an old man. Now he's an old man. I don't need to see him be a kid again. Dab when you're 13. Yeah. Well, at least he's uh, at least he's down to his fighting weight. Good for Folks, Andy. nothing funnier than Andy. That might be the funniest single thing I've ever seen Andy Reid in the punk passing kick competition when he's 13. He's got a helmet sitting on his head that looks like one of those little souvenir helmets that you put on. His, he is, he's got to be 6'4", 400 pounds. All these little kids are around him. It's it's like it's like if Gulliver were out of shape. You know, they're all trying to throw thread spools <laughs> up to his fly. Oh man, it is grim. Um, any voicemails? Yeah, any? let's uh, visit yeah. with our friend Tim from San Diego. Oh, oh, listener of the radio sky. show number one. Just listening to the latest podcast. Enjoy Doctor Soul immensely. But I wanted to just uh, point something out. You mentioned. Uh, something about um, uh, a way of writing that's sort of Ouija board-like. Uh, I think it's facilitated learning. That might be the thing you were looking for, the term. I could be wrong, but I think that might be. Other than that, I don't have anything to add, except that I think that Sally Field movie was called Not Without My Lover at the Titty Bar, but I could be wrong. Anyway, uh, great to hear you guys, and uh, hope to catch you somewhere out there on the road one of these days. Miss the show immensely. What are you talking There's about? There's my target demo this is, right this there. This is our show right here. What do you mean missing the show? I don't I don't think people think the podcast is real. It's so good, so yeah. true that they think it's a fever dream. Well, also so good, <laughs> so true. It might as well be a fever dream. Our friend Dana Carvey has just called in. Look at you all grown up, fever church lady. Dream. Lady, <laughs> lady is still angry. Did you know that? Here we go. <laughs> In the night. Well, well, well. Let's just do it. Fuck it. Dennis Miller. Yes. We, like, we like ourselves, don't we? Our hair's all fluffy and we throw it around. <laughs> we get a little warm in our tummy and we like to fornicate. <laughs> <laughs> See, it just works. Carve, I saw it's Terry Sweetie the other night. He said to say hi to you. Which one? Trace who? Um, I guess he's met you. You weren't on the show. Terry Sweeney said, uh, oh, say yeah, hi to yeah, Dana. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's nice. And uh, can you believe I ran into him? And wait, You know what's funny, Carve, is there's always a little scarring and there's always a little right stuff astronaut pride for guys who have been on SNL. Because oh, yeah. I haven't seen t Terry in 30 years, it seems. We immediately picked up, and we're back into the same stories. And nobody killed. You know, I've often said, folks, to me, the greatest performer in history of Saturday Night Live, he gets sheepish, but it's Dana. Uh, so he was, uh, he, he killed it. It still takes a big chunk out of you, doesn't it? Oh, it's indelible in your brain. It's definitely, I, you know, I like Tracy Morgan says, whenever I run into him, he goes, hey, alum. Just, just you're an alum or not alum. No one cares how long Emmys, movies. Just you, you went through that gauntlet. It's a, it's a band of brothers, man. Yeah, it's funny. The folks, the, uh, the truest thing that you've seen is uh, I do remember. And God, look how Carvey and I. I mean, I love him like a brother, but I can't even remember us having energy. Maybe once in a while on Sunday, but I didn't see a lot on Sunday. But that that video the two guys did about how you're exhausted and you Lazy go see Sunday, it. yeah, <laughs> it was so true. Um, Everyone remembers everything from that time. It was just 
so intense. I don't know. I remember I ran into Lauren Michaels a few years ago, and I said, do you remember when I was visiting you, or we went together to Long Island, we stayed at your house for the weekend, and we drove around in your Mustang, and we went to a matinee, and I got you popcorn. He goes, well, I, re- I remember everything. <laughs> of course. I remember the movie we saw, the size of the popcorn. So I don't know what it is. It's just there's nothing experientially like that, that live TV show in that building yeah life on the grill uh, life on the electric grill so i guess you remember everything i remember yeah. you used to come back from i would go out to lauren's once in a while and i'd have good stories but i remember you'd come back and you guys had bivouacked on the beach with paul mccartney and stuff <laughs> well i'd never been around wealth i didn't i was just when i first visited at his house he had this gigantic refrigerator and on the left was like a thousand small bottles of Pellegrino, and on the right was a thousand bottles of Amstel Light. I just didn't know. <laughs> and then I look out on the lawn, like a hundred yards away, and I see Lauren is laying face down, naked, getting a massage. You know, I'd never been around wealth. I didn't yeah. know. It was like <laughs> just the fact that the refrigerator had a window through it that you could see was like. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I was buying refrigerators at Sears for like where they'd pay me 190 bucks to take it off the floor. And <laughs> it was mean, made out of white, the same shit your phone was made out of. Yeah, you'd go out to Lauren's and it was like a display case. So that, even that, you're right. We were try- It was so funny, uh, Carve, that we had to act like we belong. But you're right, man. We were so, especially you and I, we were stuck in a whole different world, man, in our heads. Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the funniest things you used to say because our offices were next to each other. And if I was booking a gig, a college gig, or something good was starting to happen from the show, you walked in and goes, Christ sakes, I'm tunneling into gigs, you know? Because I, <laughs> I guess I was worried about the flight or something. <laughs> I always remember that. Christ <laughs> sakes, I'm tunneling into gigs. Carvey's turning them down. <laughs> I know, I was like Steve McQueen with the, uh, the, the garden spade where I'd go under the wire and pull myself on the other side, connect through Hartsfield, then through Elmer. Yeah, and you're hot with the bitch. Or and I was, uh, I was, I was like Charles Bronson. I was good tunneling, <laughs> but I had this overriding fear that something might not happen. See, I tried to <laughs> to see your Steve That's McQueen beautiful. raise you the the tunnel phobic Chucky Bronson. It's beautiful what you <laughs> did there. Barry Sand called it found humor. I spend a half hour every morning just leaning against something and just doing that tennis ball thing up and catching it. Just boom <laughs> with my rolling, you know, and I put that oil on that rolling glove, and you know, and that tennis ball goes right in there. Carb, there's the coolest moment. We're talking to the great Dana Carvey, and uh, the um, the moment in Bullet where McQueen is getting dressed to go out, and he uh, he's got to get to work real quick, and he goes to look into the mirror to do his hair, and he doesn't touch it. It's such a be- It's so beautifully written. Like, it's all fucked up. It's not even pri- in prime shape. Right. But he realizes that when you're McQueen, that matters so little. It's just like a, a goosebump-inducing writing there. It's such a great character. Too. He was good, brilliant from the beginning in The Blob. He was great in The Blob. And yeah, like, that's right, Carr. Sort of a lean, lanky, hungry-looking kid, but he's got some chops, doesn't he? Charisma, I guess you would call it. Well, speaking of charisma, Lovitz, I, I did a gig with John and uh, Rob Schneider, and we got to get together with Robbie some night. Oh, definitely. We'll see him at Coy. And uh, Daryl Hammond. Mm-hmm. And we were down in Florida, and John, this is how solid some of your bits are. John was telling me your bits. Now, listen, John's a genius in his own way, but I can't think of two guys more antithetical in their approach to comedy than 
Very different. You and yeah. he is as he does a, uh, a retell of some of your jokes. I'm in hysterics asking him to stop. And he told me, and was there not a, there used to be sex between Jimmy Stewart and Cary Grant, but then when you went to Bert and Kirk, I can't remember, was this, was there a step where they were bonking or did it always go into a version that you could do on TV about wrestling? Um, it was uh, in the 90s. It was that uh, element of them being sexualized. But now, yeah. I, since it's 2019, I've just moved it to them wrestling and inviting <laughs> each other. Because I always explain, I don't even really like blue humor at all. But I love words, phrases that just make me laugh. They're just for no reason. So it's, Bert and Kirk would be like, um, would you like to come over and wrestle today? I certainly would. I love wrestling with you. Greco-Roman style. That's right, a loincloth and oil. You gotta stay inside the line. I know how to stay inside the line. I got sturdy legs. Why, if a rhino came at me, I'd grab him by the horn and throw him on the ground. If a bunch of elephants stampeded me, I'd stampede them right back. Or both tough, made of iron. 430, shall we say. 430's perfect. Would you like a refreshment? I'd like some lemonade. <laughs> I beg your pardon. I like lemonade. And I'd like to say lemonade. I'll be there with bells on. Quick or Roman. Two men wrestling. Shall we make a wager? How about $10,000? Let's double it to 20000 I'm feeling frisky. And bring the lemonade. I'll see you. Have a, have a pleasant morning, won't you? I see you at 4.30, Cannon Drive in Beverly. Not twice as a side gate. If you have to, climb the tree. I see you in the ring. There's two lines. You stay inside the other line, you score points. You're acting like we don't do this every other Tuesday. <laughs> you know, anyway. John told me, Dana, that... Um, it, there's nothing fun, more fun, but it, it's a tough task because you're laughing so hard at you that you can jump out of it at any given moment. But if you just kind of, and it gives me a headache, it's like uh, it's like drinking a Slurpee too fast. I have a headache now. I didn't want to laugh too much because that gives you an easy out. But if you laugh enough that you know you're killing it, I like it when you spiral into it and just keep going. And John told me one night. You guys must have been out in the valley or something. Yeah. Did you, was it near Phil's? Or and I was doing a long bird, or, or was it the other one, the Chinese character? Yeah, it was Ching Chang, yeah. uh, Chicken Make Lousy House Pet. Yes. Uh, but he said you just kept going with it, and he said he was in trouble. He couldn't, you had gone into the, well, you tell the story. Well, John loves puns and silliness, but I was going on and on and on. We're driving the car, my wife and I, John's in the back. And I got kind of hypnotized into it. And we're, I'm just doing it for so long. And this guy going like that, I'm going like this, I'm going like that. And then out of the blue, right as we pulled into the garage in Encino, I said, how come a long dong got a special made pan? Pause. <laughs> he got a big butt. So I just thought it was kind of a joke John would like. So Paul and I got out of the car, went into the house, turned the lights on, looked around, and said, where's John? What the heck? So we went back out into the garage. He was in the back seat in the dark, helpless crying with laughter. <laughs> That's what he told me. It's just it like a ton of bricks. <laughs> I'm not saying it's sophisticated. I have no idea. It's just one of those. Oh, it's just it, it hit his button, man. He told me that he could not move, that it was oh, the yeah. hardest he had ever laughed. 
And I've been with you when you do those things where uh, I used to do it with my kid when we'd, uh, for a while there, I would uh, do a thing, an American Indian who blamed everything on uh, the white men came. And I would uh, I would do it with directions when we were driving. I'd say, uh, drive in theater, Santa Rosa, maybe two, maybe three moon. <laughs> Usually show triple header film, but then the white man came. And I got into it one night. I couldn't stop for around 15 minutes. And uh, I went through like a thing with my kids were there laughing so hard at it. And then begging me, and then literally angry at me. And all I know is there's some weird the wire that lays over a wire in your head where you can't stop. And when you used to do that, oh my God, it would just beat the shit out of me. I'd laugh so hard. Uh, it's so it's so much fun. It's just something that I can do now with you on this podcast. But it's uh, it's a little tinier, like in clubs or small theaters even. To go on long rants like that, it's like what is he saying? So I can't. And then on talk shows, it's very time limiting. So this form is the only thing where I could keep going. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I was I was start, I was getting very into it. I was having a lot of fun with Burton Kirk. Yeah, and every time I add stuff, you know, that I've never taken it quite that far. But lemonade was a was really making me laugh, just because it's there's certain words that are perfect for yes. certain voices. Yes, lemonade. I mean, if Le you could, anyone could do Kirk Douglas if they just say lemonade. No, that that was always your brilliant. Uh, the brilliant part to me was uh, you would get a basic rhythm, and then it was like you were a five-tool player in baseball. But let's say a three-tool player here in comedy, you would hear the rhythm in a Charlie Brown parent sort of way, mm -hmm. and then you'd perfect the voice, and then you would string the tinsel of very precise vernacular off it. Now those three mixed together is is catnip for me. That would lay me out because I always. At the end of the day, just my comic thing is I like specificity and uh, weird yeah. plucking. The weird plucking of a specific reference devastates me. So when you would mix it in with Rich Little-like impressions, but, uh, you know, uh, listen, Rich was a nice guy, but uh, it became sort of the alacrity of the impression uh, mm -hmm. absolved him of having to have anything clever in a way. I'm not trying to be mean, but so yeah. when you would get the precise voice and then that basic rhythm where I knew some of the guys, it wasn't even important. It was just the, wah, 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 the you know, the meter of it. You put all those three together mm -hmm. and that's why you're the well, greatest who ever did well, it. Well, uh, yeah, when Burt Lancaster says, I got sturdy legs. I mean, I've got sturdy legs. That just makes me laugh. It's so <laughs> 40s. I got calves of iron. I can stop any a locomotive. Yeah, he's good with triple syllables. I had some lemonade and took a ride on a locomotive. My calves are like steel. I can grapple. I can grab onto something and never let go. I mean, it just makes me happy. I, that's just what I'm doing right now. But Carve, you've got to watch. Uh, you can find anything on YouTube, but find the John Frankenheimer TCM interstitial on Burt Lancaster. Hmm. You know, in between movies, yeah. watch a lot of TCM. They always show. Uh, love it. This is. Uh, Frank Marshall talking about blah, blah, blah. but uh, they have one where John talks about Bert and I think they did seven films together or six and but they butted mm -hmm. heads but the, then again they always showed up for each other yeah. but they show a clip of Bert in a movie called The Train you're talking about locomotives where oh, he does yeah. his own stunt work it's fucking unbelievable I believe I saw that <laughs> like in a theater like it was in the early 60s as yeah yeah, yeah. No, Paul Schofield is a Nazi. By the way, Paul Schofield, you talk about putting bookends on a career, the ultimate 
uh, ethicist with Thomas More, and then the evil Nazi in the train. This guy had his range like nobody. But uh, there's a scene in there where Bert has to come out of a conning tower at a train station mm-hmm. and then come down a ladder. He does it like he slides down the ladder, you know, that shit, and hops on a train. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, did Schofield do an accent, a German accent? Mm, a I've, little bit, but not not uh, Colonel Klink. I always like when their uh, British actors sometimes take on uh, playing Nazis, and, and they don't bother to change their accent. Right. So they just, you know, I don't see here. I love Hitler as much as the next man. <laughs> I'm a Nazi through and through, born in Munich. And if you doubt me, I will have umbrage with you. But I'm a Nazi as well. I love Hitler. What about you, Siegfried? Well, I'm a Nazi. Can't you, too? I love Hitler, too. I got a ring the shape of a swastika for my boy. Well, that's certainly very good. Well, I see. Well, let's not doubt each other's identity. It's like it's like the guy playing General Montgomery and the guy playing Rommel. Have the same. Yeah. It's like Jimmy Mason. He played Rommel every three weeks, and it was always Jimmy there. Mason's always playing Rommel. Well, there's a desert here, and we're going to have to attack. There's so much sand, there's no way to get through. Excuse me. Excuse me. Are you actually Rommel? Why can't you tell by the way I speak? I'm a German. You doubt my loyalty to fatherland. Oh, my God. We're talking to the great Dana Carvey. Now, brother, are you, uh, and I don't want to force your hand on anything, but I, you told me once you were going to do a podcast. Are you doing it or no? Yeah, I am. I'm doing. Um, oh man! That's I'm doing be... one with Conan's company. Six. We're going to do six, twenty to thirty minute podcasts, and then kind of put them out there and see what the response is. Well, if you ever need a guest, man, I mean, I, I oh, would absolutely. be honored. So give me a give me a buzz. I don't know if, if it's that sort of podcast, but I'd love to. Uh, That'd be great. We'd love, love it. to yep. jam with you. Now, I was talking earlier. Um, and I don't remember you having this until you came back from that weekend, but I do remember you being out with A. a. Whitney Brown and Paul on the beach in Amagansett with a crazy story, which we need not go into. But right. uh, I remember as you told me the story, I felt you were building McCartney right there. And now I see you periodically bringing McCartney back, and it's just a, uh, a, a killer voice. Where, where can you plug him in, though? Now, in well, today's time. It was a whimsical thing. I just kind of riffed it, but it was just sort of, I thought, you know, when I would watch Paul and he has these colloquialisms and these phrasings, that anything out of him would seem more cheerful or less harmful. Right. <laughs> and so I had him first, they, I did it during the Kavanaugh hearings, you know. Well, they, you know, they needed a top judge, a man, you know. And they go, they go to me, says, all right. He likes a bit of the, bit of the suds, you know. They said he's okay. And then a bird from California said he went doobly 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 on me. Yeah, hold on. Hold on there. I don't think so. Right. But they still put him on the top, Judge. <laughs> so it's stuff like that. Carve. I saw a special with him lately. Um, I forget what it was. Give me about. any news story and I'll, I'll filter it through McCartney. Yes. Uh, you could do you could do the Jesse Smollett. Give me a little, give me a little Jesse Smollett coverage. Well, you know, 
know he's walking around at night, you know. <laughs> Why don't you start tootling along, you know? And as the story goes, there's two goalies with his red hats going, doom, 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 doom. and they did, they did a blocker job on them, you know. Later on, they said, hold on, hold on, let me do the blocker job on himself, you know. Oh, um, we, we just don't know. <laughs> and by the way, Clark, if, if Jesse Smollett is innocent, that poor bastard has the worst. He's the unluckiest man in the history of, of, of America, I'd say, if he's innocent. Because imagine he gets beat up on the street. It's horrible. And then the cops show up. All right, well, um, he got he got attacked, that's sure. Well, well, Sergeant, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, but... What if we said he attacked himself? Well, why do you say that, Sergeant? I don't know. It just seems kind of fun. Uh, we know that someone attacked him, but we can make up a story that he attacked himself. I like the way you think, Sergeant. <laughs> that's <laughs> so, why we're in the law enforcement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to know, think like this. It's too easy. It's yeah. late night. No one will know. But, yeah, that he, if he is innocent, he's incredibly unlucky. I jury's out, I guess. Oh, car, but it is maddening because occasionally there are things that are in flux or in doubt, but this one is such an obvious that he's a, a bad guy. But, God, he'll do stuff like virtue signal now or uh, – <laughs> I don't even know when all that became part of the lexicon. Can you remember when all that came in as a as an excuse for bad behavior? I don't know. I mean, it's also just it's when you accuse someone of something in the public square, which would be Twitter or whatever. Now, I guess you're virtual signaling that's not you. So I always look at it like a Clint Eastwood spaghetti western. He's got Eli Wallach over there, you know, and the, and they it's whoever calls the other guy racist first wins. Right. Guess what? I think you're racist. You know, and then it's like, well, he called him racist, so he can't possibly be a racist. <laughs> so it's it's sort of a game I see being played. So yeah, it's it's literally everything gets back to uh, the fourth grade break in playground. You suck with your mouth. Hi, my mouth. <laughs> hi, me. It's like we haven't gotten away from that too far. When you I think older. we've uh, we've gone back. We're just not equipped bioevolutionary wise for all these ways to communicate with each other. Yeah, it's so allowed us it, to all come together as one and realize there was no reason whatsoever for us to all come together as one. I mean, I used to theorize how fucked up my fellow man was, and now I get to see them scribble it down in front of me in a hundred. I couldn't agree more, but I still got to say. The children are the future. <laughs> Carve, it's so, such two distinct camps, though. You can call Dems, Republicans, liberals, conservatives, red, blue, or you can even reduce it down now at this point to Fox, uh, MSNBC, and never the twain will meet. Although I think they're telling me now that uh, people are jumping out of those two camps, yeah. going to the other. I can't believe that. I want to meet the guy because I, I, I saw that, you know, Fox, after the collusion statement from Mueller, their ratings went up 750,000 and MSNBC went down 500,000. So I want to meet the guy who switched over, you know. Right. Hey, who get is the that popcorn, guy? everybody. The Mueller report's coming out. Oh, we'll <laughs> wait two years for this. <laughs> what? No collusion? Benny Bob, give me the remote. We're going straight to Hannity. <laughs> I don't know why I gave him that voice, but I just did. <laughs> No, well, it, uh, what? We've been watching, waiting for two years. <laughs> Billy Bob, give me that. Come on, switch it on the Hannity. <laughs> it is just seeing the world through two completely different prisms, though. I look at 
I know people bring up Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez like like she's not a, an ill-informed, crazy young dame just, you know, virtue signaling her way up the up the top 40 chart and her other, you know, I, there are other people who respect her. I, I don't know what to make of it. She's going to cover ultimate. her time. Well, I, I think it's the, the, the Trump effect. I mean, she doesn't apologize. She's really aggressive. She uh, knows how to tweet and Instagram, you know, I'm just sort of amazed they haven't done her on SNL yet because no matter what you think of her, her voice, it's just like the green New deal. <laughs> like planes are flying too much and they're so high Cows are farting and people are scared. We should be on trains traveling. I mean, it's not an exaggeration. I recorded it. (laughs) I know it's, uh, but that that'll show you one of the dilemmas I have now with uh, minimal. It's it's all of its own era. But SNL would have shredded a person like that. I believe when I was there. I hate to do those old man stories, but if if they're not going after her because they think she's uh, the one now. That's crazy. You know, uh, let me just interject, uh, guys. They actually have had her on. Uh, They have a Latina cast member, uh, Melissa Villasenor is her name, and they have had her do it, and it is that extra high nasally voice. I don't think they do it a lot, but I've seen it a few times. Oh, okay. Right, but but have they gone kind of at it a little bit like they do Trump? You know, no, that's it's kind of in the way, kind of the way they did Obama. You know, yeah, where, yeah, where that's, it's it, there's a there's a. Distance. I know that Melissa had done it and she does it really well, but I just, yeah, I don't, you know, we're in a different age, whatever. <laughs> there's somebody on SNL named Melissa that'll show you how far out of the loop I am. <laughs> By the way, there's how funny my wife is. The other day we were in the car, and one of my favorite songs ever, which just wipes me out in a, in a way, I just uh, get emotional is Melissa by the Allman Brothers band. And, I, and we're talking, and that comes on. And I go, baby, give me a second here. This song's uh, so beautiful. I turn it up. I listen to Melissa, and I do that wistful thing, like the Seinfeld episode about the guy who sings along with Desperado because it makes him valid. So I'm, I'm singing it to myself. I turn it down, and down. I go, what were you saying, baby? She's a, does it affect your feeling about that song to know he wrote it about Melissa Rivers? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, how funny is that? <laughs> I said, That's baby, you're a genius. Oh, my God. Now, Carve, I know that, um, and, and by the way, folks, if you ever need anybody to be called into a courtroom expert, uh, like a uh, forensics expert, to give you every line of dialogue from out of Africa, you have to call Carvey because he's got it memorized like Rain Man. But also, yeah. I believe, uh, last night on Sunday night, I said to Carolyn, you know, I miss Downton Abbey. I used to stage my Sundays about that. Late in the afternoon, I'd think, oh, good, we got a Downton Abbey. And I think you were a Downton Abbey fan. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. you were. <laughs> well, I remember, I think there was a Mr. Bates impression that used to sucker punch me. Right, yeah. And, and it, 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 in a way, with those accents, it sounded like Master Bates. And I just thought it was so funny when they would play it straight. It would just make me laugh. Like, what on earth is wrong with Masturbate? <laughs> well, my lady, Masturbate disappears for long periods of time with most unusual sound. What on earth could Masturbate be doing? <laughs> I don't know, my lady, but I will investigate post haste. Find out what Masturbate is doing and then report to me. I must know what Masturbate. 
There's a Python bit right there. That's a Python. But, yeah, it's Mr. Bates, but it sounds like Master Bates. Good night. Well, listen, we've got – what else do we have coming up? I I don't have any plugs in front of me. Carvey, one of the few guys that will just come in and talk to you, usually people. Carvey, I remember I had Judy Collins on once. And she had broken her plugs down like Kennedy moving through Dealey Plaza. It was so fucking planned out. <laughs> well, and I got Se- Secret Life of Pets 2, June, June 7th. What, who do you play, Balco? Or what I is play it? the grumpy old dog. There's, this is our second one. You know, I'm basically doing the grumpy old man as a dog. <laughs> like a little cute puppy comes up and says, my name is Pickles. And I go, uh, nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid, we used to lick our mouths 23 hours a day, and we liked it. <laughs> well, that was, I did love the turn on the grumpy old man, because, because he's complaining, and yet he's accepting and liking it. Like my favorite one was like, in my day, we didn't have flame-retardant sleepwear. <laughs> <laughs> if you went to bed smoking, you woofed up, woke up, engulfed in flames. whoop de doo look at me, I'm a pile of fire. But that's the way it was, and we liked it. We loved it. <laughs> oh, my God. I remember you used to come up to do that and update, and I'd say, this is how competitive that place was and how much I love Carvey I mean when Carvey came up you knew he was going to deliver and he used to I'd say what is this he'd come out as grumpy and I'd say to him beforehand this is going to die there's nothing here and then you would you would kill it and grab my leg right above the knee you know that spot you can squeeze and like we'd lean in and give the faux bro hug and you'd go fuck you and just roll off (laughs) that was a lot of work I, I actually one time I did it so hard at dress that I, I never recovered the rest of the night. <laughs> I mean, that one was very high energy. I but. remember you snapped your vast uh, friends. All right. You're a genius, and I love you with Thanks, all my buddy. heart, and I'll talk to you soon. And uh, keep me posted so we can run in the flag up here about when the podcast starts and all that. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Say hi Have to the boys. Day. Say hi to P. Take care, my brother. Take, take care. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, the best. <sighs> the best. <laughs> I've, I've and heard I'm that Greco Roman wrestling several times, and I just laugh harder every time I hear him do it. <laughs> There's when something would go horribly askew on SNL. I used to share a car after with Dana, and we'd go to the. We didn't stay long at the parties, but we'd usually go. It was good to show your face there. You didn't want to be the outlier in any way, and uh, so we'd go and have a couple beers, and then we'd get in the same car, and we lived across the street from each other on the Upper West Side. And we'd go home and. We'd be a little loaded. He'd get a little meaner, and we'd talk about who ate it on the show. <laughs> we'd do an immediate autopsy about who was in trouble and what they were thinking right now, because the place is a fucking vicious gladiator camp, and everybody smells blood in the water. And Christ, he would do impressions of what people were thinking after they'd just face-planted it on national television. Christ, I had to roll out. They had to roll me out of the car. Uh, up at the up at my apartment because I was laughing so hard. When uh, when the show would have a bad host, you you would probably I'm not asking any names. So you would know like by the time the read through came around. Like oh it, yeah, yeah. So it was it was always pretty apparent, right? Yeah, and at the beginning when we hadn't established ourselves yet, you'd be apprehensive about it because you were going into battle. But after a while, the the unit becomes the thing, and the and we were pretty tight. I mean, we were hitting the ball, and the yeah. the guy was like the the guest teacher that week. And therefore, as it, as it moved on and we got tighter and knew that we had uh, solidified ourselves and our job wasn't predicated on them doing well this week, we used to delight in people who were in trouble. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. Oh, if somebody man. comes and crushes it. You're like, damn it, why was he so good? Yeah, but there were people who you knew on Wednesday night. It was just going to be a complete flame job. And then when Downey or Handy would write something intricate that they were trying to shoehorn them into, but it involved panache and they didn't have it, they had clumsy hoof moves. We used to laugh so hard just saying, oh, I hope that makes it on the air. And then everybody would gather around. <laughs> just grisly. It's like watching cockfighting or something. <laughs> By the way, David Feldman, one of the greatest jokes ever, where he said, uh, you know, they've ruined cockfighting me, for me with this, the, the signage. <laughs> He's like, I can't even take my kid to the cockfighting ring anymore because it's so commercialized. Oh, that used to kill me. Um, all right, what else is up in the world? Any uh, you want to play any voicemails or tell me about any stories? Or I don't even know where we're at time wise. Well, we've got uh, we've got a few more minutes together, you know, with with the denizens out in the audience. It was the cab. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, gotta get Jay on here. Can you call Jay, man? I will have to reach out to. You know, it was easy when he had the Tonight Show because it was easy to get to his. Oh, people. I'll give a call then. Can you send me an email to yeah, call him? Sure, I would. Uh, I would love to have him on. Because uh, oh my god, I know people say you know, people tease Jay that he got the. Uh, hey, listen, Jay is always one of the funniest guys on the planet Earth. It's just he would adapt it for certain vehicles, and the Tonight Show for him was a. Uh, he loved doing it, but he had a lot of people depending on him and he wanted it to be commercially viable so there were times he would notch it back and you know i, I look back on it as a great tenure i mean think about it to come in and i think jay did 17 years killed the monologue and uh you know was just uh you know he would light people up occasionally teasing way you know and it, it just wasn't mean and uh so i'm i'm a huge fan of jay's tenure but I'm telling you, when he unwinds and starts telling stories, he's as vicious and funny as everybody. Christ, I remember him jumping me one night. Or jumping, I had a bad appearance somewhere. But he also had a, a footage of somebody. Maybe it was Jimmy Brogan on that <laughs> puppet show with... Uh, Madam. Waylam and Madam. Which I believe you were also on. Um, I, You know, I'm wondering if I have that selective memory thing. Or, you know, where you m do your own mythology. Because I'm trying to think, I, I don't remember, I don't have any memory of meeting Waylon. You know what I mean? So right, I think sure. I might, I, I think I've taken Jimmy Brogan's story and appropriated it for myself and said I was on it. But I, 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 I could have been, but I don't think I was. But I remember him showing one night of footage, uh, and this is when, this was like in the uh, calligraphy days of taping somebody. You know, you had to have a tape machine that Willem Dafoe and... You know, uh, Greg Kinnear would wheel in straight out of <laughs> autofocus to tape something. And somehow Jimmy Brogan's sitting there and, you know, with uh, Waylon, who's, I think his name is Waylon. Yes, gay guy. Waylon. And he has the puppet on and, you know, you just have to interview with the puppet. You're six inches away. You can see his hand up the puppet's back and yet you have to pretend that there are two of them. And it's really uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, we'd be sitting there and Jade order pizza. I forget. He wasn't on The Tonight Show at that point when we first started doing it. We would just all hit up the hill after our respective sets. And he had a place, not on Tower at this point, but uh, he had a place up in the Hollywood Hills. I remember he'd go up to the top of Laurel Canyon and where it met uh, right past uh, Sunset and make a right there. Go down, make a left, go up into the hills. 
and Seinfeld would come up and Jimmy Brogan and me and Kevin Rooney and we'd sit there and just break down what everybody did that night with jokes where people were doing and stuff like that. And right in the middle he's hey, uh, interesting uh, little snippet of Mr. Brogan here on Madam's Place. <laughs> <laughs> oh Christ. And then he had a laser pointer. He would shut it down. Like the first laser pointer ever. He He'd would stop do it and he'd go, yeah, Jimmy. You know, and then we watch Plan 9 from Outer Space. <laughs> yeah, you see the space capsule has a uh, an Earth calendar in it with a covered bridge in wintertime. These are the actual trappings of a spaceship from another time and dimension as the, uh, the Earth, Earth calendar set to December. <laughs> <laughs> he would do a version of that on the Tonight Show. Like, if you'd done a McDonald's commercial when you were fifteen, he'd have it, and like the TV would just pop out of the desk, yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, you just knew you were about to get ambushed. Yeah, by I it. loved those little <laughs> tricks. Um, all right, so riddle me this, match me, Sydney. Any way you want to put yeah, it. What else? We're going to get uh, we're going to get one more voicemail. Uh, RJ from Manville. Oh. I don't know where Manville is, but uh, RJ does, and he left us this message. I just wanted to call and let you know that I hitchhiked all the way to Syracuse at the end of February to see you and Mark Stein. Well, what I actually did was I held up my thumb as I boarded a Southwest 737. <laughs> but I want you to know I enjoyed the show. You were great. Mark was great, too. But I, but you need to tell him that three verses of Al Sharia Amor is too much. <laughs> Halfway through the second verse, I started looking around to make sure I wasn't being recorded laughing at Mark's presentation. <laughs> hey, I miss your radio show. I was a DMZ member for many years. I'm glad you got away from it, though. You were getting a little grim, brother. Last, uh, I got to ask, did you piss off Billow? I haven't seen you on his show. Pillow? No, Billy. Does, does he understand whack. that Bill doesn't have a show anymore? Um, yeah, that, that's, that's why Laura you don't Ingram. see me that's on there. <laughs> he got fired when he was meeting with the Pope. Yeah. Why did Why did Bill get so pretty? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, Mark, uh, I think the song's a little long, too. Yeah, well... Let me mention. Uh, listen, once I once they, the the price is set and the guy's a convivial dude, I'm not involved in their act. You know what I mean? Is sure. that whole thing about let's sit down after and break this down? And, you know, Christ, it's like uh, I'm on the road with the Buddhist monk. I'm not going to tell him not to self-immolate. If that's his closer, so be it. <laughs> Just get the broom out there before I get there. Uh, Mark will be on this show a week from today. Look at you all grown up. Jimmy Connors, Mark Stein. Yeah. I'll call Jay. Yeah. Who else you got? Who else you got? That's it. So for the rest of the year, these are all our guests. All right. Well, then I. <laughs> We're going to have RJ from Manville for an hour. Your praises. <laughs> all right. And uh, how's life? How's the kids? How's the wife? Uh, kids are great. Wife's even better. You know, it's. Uh, I, I, I sent you a photo. I dressed my poor kids up in Mets gear on I opening day. <laughs> I saw it. And. Uh, <laughs> As cute as can be, and the Mets look good this year, so we'll have to give them a tumble. Although that parking lot at Chavez, they got to tighten that up, man. There's another brain dead yeah, person that. out there. Yeah, that's, I mean, what, uh, what, what's going on there, Christian? I I think in both instances uh, they are you know altercations that kind of started in the stadium and continued out to the parking mm. lot. But I think that there, uh, you know, after the the last one, which is like five or even more years ago now. There were so many police in the yes, parking lot there. Should there should be, man. You yeah. can't have people going to a ball game and ending up brain yeah. dead. 
And I think the last guy ended up brain dead, too, yes. didn't he? And I, I think they were both on opening day. So you'd think, mm-hmm. especially, you know, when you're going to have that many people, uh, you should uh, you should certainly... I don't, I don't know. I don't know what they did differently, you know, those first couple of years, but obviously it's uh, gotten a little lax. And, uh, I can have flat-out anxiety thinking about the potential for violence in people. Yeah. I, I can think about how quickly that goes down. Um, I've had something like that in my life where I was on the 101 doing Dennis Miller Live, and the guy was really you you have to tell yourself and i learned a big lesson from this if the other driver is an idiot and is simultaneously a prick you still can't really get involved because the next thing he can be is your murderer you know what i mean yeah like i get into it with a guy on the 101 who cut me off really almost caused an accident and then you get so angry you pull up alongside of him and not even the finger i'm not even going there but sort of like the what the fuck are you doing and then he locks on your tail. And then all of a sudden, the next step is he's getting alongside you and getting closer. He wants to go or hurt you. And then you slow down and he slow. you know, and all of a sudden, man, it gets real, like really, really, really fast. And, and obviously, at some point, he, it was like a, uh, somebody a cat cuffing around a mouse or something got tired of me and let me go. But uh, can you imagine when it goes bad quickly? Like you bump into a guy and you watch yourself. And you yeah. watch it. And then you really have to just tell yourself, listen, unless they've hurt a loved one or, or intimidating a loved one, you, you should just uh, nod and say, sorry, sorry, and move on. Because, man, you never know when it goes blotto like that, right? Yeah. And I mean, I've got, uh, there's a, well, let's say an acquaintance that, uh, I don't, I don't go to baseball games with anymore because we'd wear Mets stuff to Dodger stadium and people always say, Hey, Mets suck. And you're like, okay. Yeah. This guy'd be like, Oh yeah. I'm like, wait, no, we're not on, we're not having that conversation. <laughs> I can't believe you had the cojones to wear the Mets stuff. I, I, well, what are you I, rooting for your team? Yeah, exactly. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Just get in the seat. I can't yeah. believe you'd do that. Well, with the kids, I always take them down to San Diego. It's a little, little bit, uh, a little bit more friend, fan friendly down there. Yeah, that's what you want to do, Christian. Is uh, go, go to the, uh, go, 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 go. Yeah, Wait, like did you just have a stroke? Is this uh, what I've been waiting for? <laughs> so I can take over? No, you want to go into a Persian bazaar and take your kids with you and have them in yarmulkes. Yes. The, the beauty of that move. Take exactly. Them to... <laughs> Jesus. Um, are Persians... I was trying to, I wanted to tell a joke, then I had to navigate around it because they didn't yeah. want to flat out get on Care's list, you know, with the fat one. I forgot shit. about Care. Um, we used to have a guy on, didn't we? Yeah. I I used to, it. Was his name Ibrahim? And yeah, I'd say, well, uh, Hooper. How do you misspell and, your and name? You, you usually called him Hoop. Hoop. Yeah. And they, they can't even laugh about that, can they? No, not, not the Hoop. All of a sudden, the Hoop becomes something from, uh, you know... Uh, a blood feud from like the fourth century. <laughs> well, come on, settle down. All right, um, I'm going to rock because uh, I'm meandering. And it was a good show today, wasn't it, folks? You, you have any more emails, Christian? You, you want more? Yeah, uh, I, feel I, like I can stay in a little. I, I don't right. know where I'm going. Oh, we all know where you're going. Down, down, <laughs> down, down. I'm uh, going down. <laughs> down. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, let's go with... Uh, down, 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 down. Uh, let's go with Bill from Connecticut. Just wanted to let you know I love the new podcast. And, uh, Dennis, you are an emerging pod god, bro. 
following you since the early days, very early days of SNL, and uh, 63 years old now, so it's almost like we're from the same home room, as it were. I'm looking forward to seeing you at Foxwoods next month. The missus and I live just 10 minutes down the trail from the res. And the Pequots are good folks. You know, they have a, the usual horrendous past history. But uh, if you look up the uh, Pequot massacre, if you can, you know, it sounds like they can really use a few laughs. Uh, anyway, last thing, my comedy Mount Rushmore. Number one, Doug Kenny, pioneer. Number two, Jonathan Winters. Number three, of course, Dennis Miller. And finally, number four, Daffy Duck. His uh, spitting despicable still buckles me at the knees. That's it. Carved in granite for the ages. You know, Christian, that guy could have completely cut me off at the knees if he'd gotten to the end of four and I wasn't one of them. Yeah, if he'd just be like Daffy Duck and you know what? Donald Duck too. I gotta go, Dennis. Oh, that would have been... <laughs> now, brother, if you if you uh, hear your thing played and you're listening to the podcast, send in your stuff to Christian and I'll get you tickets. Because, uh, res- what did he say? The, the reservation? The res. The res. <laughs> oh, I'm comping this guy. If you call back in, man, and give Christian your stuff, and we won't play it on the air. Yeah. And he'll get it to me. I get a couple comps. So I'd like you and the old lady to come down and say hi and be my guest. Because uh, anytime I'm working the Foxwoods and somebody says I might hike it down to the res, <laughs> my type of guy right there. All right. Well, and if anyone listening out in the audience wants to leave us a voicemail, our number, 866-509-7268. Yes, 866-509-RANT. Or we also take your questions and comments on Twitter. Use the hashtag Dennis Miller Option. All right. Good talking to you, folks. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Dennis Miller Option, exclusively on Westwood One. Tune in to new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday on the Westwood One app, westwoodone.com, and on Apple Podcasts. And remember to rate, review, and share. Until next time, that's the show, and we are out of here.